Welcome to episode 43 of Land the Plane Podcast. Hello again, everyone. This is uh, Land the Plane Podcast. Jonathan, I know I normally just go straight into our names, but it's been so long since we've done this show, it feels like. Not really that long, but it's been a few weeks. We're a little behind, and that's your fault. <laughs> Okie dokie. You jinxed us, but my name is yeah, Dustin. Take I'm Jonathan. There's Jonathan. Yeah. Hey, okay. we, we're, a little, uh, we're a little feeling good here in the podcast studio tonight. because We, we won't have... tell you why. Okay, we won't. Um, it's a big secret. Maybe at the end of the show, we'll tell you. But, uh, Maybe by no, we'll figure it out. No, the reason this is your fault, we're a couple weeks behind, probably yeah. our normal release schedule. It's really not my fault. It's somebody else's no, fault. No, it is your fault, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I jinxed us. Because you jinxed us. I told I you during the show, don't jinx us, and you still jinxed us, but that's fine. I won't hold it against you, and neither will our listeners. You know why? Because this is a Christian podcast, and, and we have to us. forgive. They have to forgive us. Love <laughs> it's us. not a Give choice. grace. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there that it's not my fault. It's Kyle Reno's fault. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> you just threw a name out there. <laughs> yeah, so oh. if y'all want to email him, his his email address is at thesummitchurch.org. Wow. Wow, you just, just kidding. I don't know how to spell that. Yeah. But that's okay. You know why? Because we're going to have a great show tonight. Yeah, we are. And I'm excited about it. Yeah, and we are because I went down a very long list of people that we had asked to come to the show, there was... and none of them could do it. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, actually, we had asked a guy uh, several months back uh, if he would be interested in, in uh, coming on and, and doing a show with us, and he said that he would. And so when... Just And the really reason that we wanted to, to get the other guy on the show, Kyle on the show... Uh, was because it was kind of a New Year topic, kind of a New Year's um, topic that he was going to go with. But that's okay. Um, th- this topic actually is is super, uh, super important and actually fits into that kind of New Year thing too, even though we're already in February, which is dumb. Yeah, February is almost over. Yeah. It's almost over. Oh, well. All right, so time flies when you're having a good time in life and working all the time, and yeah, here yeah. we are. Yeah, but normally we have some type of fun little talk, but we're gonna we're get, not gonna have any fun. We're not. We're gonna <laughs> skip the fun and get straight into the serious stuff. Yeah, no, we have fun with everything, but we didn't want to waste our guest time, and I didn't come up with a game that he could humiliate you with, Jonathan. So we're just gonna get right into this tonight. And so. really, the reason that we're skipping it is because I'm just going to go ahead and tell this to the whole world so he has to live up to it. No pressure. Um, This guy's, (laughs) when I first started, I'm on staff at the Summit Church, and when I first started there, I thought uh, the first time I went to an all-staff meeting, which is like all the staff, if you can imagine, um, and there's quite a few of them, everybody started talking and doing different things, and I thought, man, alive. Like, you got to be really, I think being funny is a prerequisite for coming on staff at the summit and they still hired me. I don't know. (laughs) But the more I heard this guy, I thought he 
he's he's stinking funny. Like he might be he's probably in in the race, maybe like top two funniest dudes I know at the summit. Oh, at the summit? At the summit. I figured if it was top two, it was me and then him. But I don't work yeah, there. Yeah, just at the summit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm like all time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh so without further ado. I'm going to introduce you to a guy named Blake Hudspeth. He is the the <laughs> the associate. <laughs> He's the associate pastor uh, at Summit Church Conway, and uh, Conway, Arkansas. Conway, Arkansas. For you, yeah. World listeners, yeah, because we because we do have you. We get downloads worldwide, man. Yeah. We are global. Other, we are global. We, we didn't tell Blake that before that. he got on here. Yeah, so no we pressure. Didn't. We're global. No pressure. <laughs> global. <laughs> Listen to in like 17 different languages around the world. That's right. I don't know how because we don't interpret them but or translate them, but we are. So, Blake, man, thanks for thanks for coming. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> excited to be here. Took 10 minutes before you let him talk, but yeah. he's here. I wasn't really sure at what point to jump in, so... It's, anywhere this is great yeah it's awesome we can just add it i'm glad that you um really set the stage as the funny man over here (laughs) it's no pressure make your make your your jokes so who do you think i was talking about like if you're the second guy yeah it's either it's either hudson hudson's so funny maybe but hudson's not loud normally hudson's not loud Nah, that's not true though well upter grove's really funny Uptergrove? Yeah, okay. Uptergrove. Yeah. Um, Kyle Uptergrove. What's funny is the three of us, when I was in student ministry at the summit, when I was the student pastor, and Hudson was actually in in high school, and Kyle was on staff doing what he's doing now, we did the same stupid stuff that we did <laughs> then that we do now as like grownups. Yeah. It's great. Oh, man. Nobody out here is going to know what I'm talking about. But scones with Jones. It's the best thing it's we've done. It's my me. legacy at the summit. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to sympathize with the crowd here because I don't know what they're talking about either. Oh, so. yeah. So it it's almost like if you've ever seen the movie The Perfect Storm, uh, if you get these three guys together. Yeah. and They're like some, the true story of fishermen yeah. who drowned. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> okay. um, and it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You have, to read the, have you have to read the book by Sebastian Younger to really get it, but <laughs> it's okay. still hilarious. Um, Same thing. We just cut it down to three and a half minutes. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, man. Um, well, I want to say where I first saw Blake, because this is the first time I've really met Blake is tonight, but I saw him at a wedding. It's a crazy coincidence here. I saw him officiate a wedding in Malvern, Arkansas, where I was working. Uh, on staff at a church as a youth director and i was working with a student whose name is Corey, and he got married and blake officiated not, not while wedding. he was a student no <laughs> no he grew up he grew up but, but blake officiated the wedding and i was there but Corey's the guy who wrote our intro music mm-hmm. Corey styles so go check him out um he's got twitter and instagram things i cannot remember it right now sorry Corey, but just search Corey styles music you'll find it but anyway um Blake was there, and he referenced Star Wars during the ceremony, like several times, I think. And I was like, I like this dude. 
I'm not really sure how I could have gotten away with like not doing that though, because we were all wearing Star Wars socks, and That's true. it was pretty much a Star Wars themed wedding, kind of undertones, not like overtly, but it was it was there. It, it was, was great. There. I actually wore my R2D2 socks like yesterday. It was great. So I'm in. I'm ready. So that's, I mean, we've got our 2D2 here in the studio. It's pretty great. Yeah. We share our geekiness at times on here. Yeah. They know us. Yeah. Can't help it. Anyway. It's okay. So I just want to throw that in there. Give Corey Styles a little plug. Good job, Corey. There you go. Well, <clears throat> so to intro what we're doing here, Blake, you, um, you came up with and wrote, um, I don't, I don't really know what to call it. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, I mean, yeah, we call, call it a, it we call it a study, a, study? a, a six week. Yeah, it's a workbook and a class. Yeah, um, and and you did that um, kind of as part of your personal journey through that, and then and then you wrote it and you've taken a bunch of guys through that. Uh, so why don't you kind of intro that for us, and then we'll kind of dive into it a little bit. Yeah. So um, several years ago, um, probably five or six years ago, uh, in ministry, I grew up in the church, grew up um, at the summit actually, and uh, had been on staff there for a number of years uh, since I was 19. So I'd been on staff for eight or nine years. We were planning a church in Conway and there was just a whole lot of things going on uh, in my life from um, just a stress point of just different things that were, um, were kind of pressing down on me, if you if you would, and just pulling a lot of things out of my heart. And uh, it really culminated in this one moment where me and, and Kyle Reno, who you threw under the bus just a second ago, yeah. you might remember that, uh, <laughs> one of my best friends, we were driving down uh, Front Street in Conway, and we're at this stop sign, and I remember looking at him and going, um, Kyle, if I don't get help, I- I'm not sure I'm going to make it. And what I meant was not necessarily like I, I'm... Um, not like in life, but I, I don't think I'm going to be able to continue doing ministry uh, unless something changes in my life that's s- significant. And what I didn't realize in that moment, really what I was saying was, Kyle, I need freedom. Uh, and I didn't know I was asking for that, but that's what I was asking for. And uh, from that moment, uh, and you fast forward a couple of years of what the Lord really did in my life through relationships, through His Word, um, through uh, reading Scripture and through prayer, uh, did a real work in my life to free me from some things uh, that were hindering my ability to live the way God designed me to live. And uh, the more I started walking in freedom, uh, and, and that's how I define that, is living the, the ability to live the way God designed you to live. So it's, not, it's one thing to know how God designed us to live, uh, it's another thing to be able to live that way. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of us know this is what God um, has made me to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. But a lot of us fall short of that because we don't believe we can actually do those things. And so it's one thing to say, I know God made me not to be anxious, but yet I'm anxious all the time. So I'm unable to live the way that God designed me to live. Uh, and, the, and the further I walked in that freedom journey of learning how to live that way, uh, how to live fully alive in Christ and how to... Um, how to lay down uh, some things in my life. Uh, the more I started uh, helping other people see that in their life um, and realizing that uh, every believer that I met uh, at some point in their journey, uh, in their walk with Christ, has either had those moments or, or longing for those moments. Mm-hmm. And I think freedom uh, is kind of this ongoing process. And so what I wanted to do uh, was go, how can I help 
create a journey um, that's going to last for the rest of their life for them. Because uh, I think we think of, of freedom of like, um, in this one moment, I was totally free, and now I'm never, I'm never scared again of anything, or I'm never going to deal with lust again for the rest of my life. Uh, and I do think freedom, uh, there's some clarity and some moments of freedom that, yeah, that becomes really clear. Uh, but I also think that uh, if we don't have um, really a process to take off uh, some of that old stuff, some of those lies that we believe, uh, then we're going to end up putting those old clothes back on. And so what we did was, what I did was um, I took Ephesians 4, which is the journey uh, that Paul gives us of how to walk fully in freedom, uh, and broke that into a six-week study um, that starts with kind of the foundation of our life, uh, and then it moves through um, freedom from fear, freedom from uh, lust, or just freedom from the world. Uh, in First John, it says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. How do we get free from those things? Uh, freedom from our past, and then just how to how to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to to walk fully alive, to be able to to live the way God uh, has called us to live, and the way that we truly deep inside want to live. And um, and we we realize that a lot of times. We try to treat the symptoms of the thing, uh, so um, it's really easy to try to talk about um, porn and maybe some things to to navigate around that or accountability around that, and those are all good things, but uh, that's just the fruit of something that's deeper inside of our hearts uh, that's coming out in that particular sin, and the same is true in fear, and the same is true in bitterness and jealousy, and so what this study does is it uses Ephesians 4 as the grid, um, kind of the journey and the process. Uh, to be able to go from the fruit of that and trace it down to the root of what is this that I'm believing that's causing me to do some of these things. Because we believe at the end of the day, even sin comes out of a place of faith. Um, we are we are sinning because we believe something or someone uh, will bring us greater joy than what God has said would bring us true life and joy. And so we turn from that. So the 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 six-week study kind of helps you unpack some of those things in a way to where um, on uh, down the road when things start happening in your life and you find yourself inching towards that cliff again, you can stop yourself and go, no, I've been here before. I know what's going on. I'm going to backpedal and, um, and walk in freedom. Yeah. You mentioned um, some lies that we all believe. So what I think what I'd like to kind of do is maybe – um, now, obviously, we all have different backgrounds. We all have different things that we fear. We all have different things that we struggle with. We all, we're all different. Right. But in some ways, we're not that different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so what are, you, you mentioned some of the lies that we believe. What do, you, what do you think are, what are some of those lies that we all believe? Yeah, I think um, the, the root of it uh, and the root of uh, a huge part of, learning how to walk in freedom is being able to identify those lies. And so the question becomes, how do we do that? How do we, uh, it, because there's as many lies as there are people on earth. Um, and, uh, but one of the things that uh, we say a lot is that every single sin can be traced back to Genesis 3 and the root of it when uh, the serpent said to Eve, has God really said, has God really said that you won't die? Uh, and he goes, you won't die. You surely won't die. 
and you will become like God. And Eve believed her, or believed the serpent. And Romans 1 said in that moment, we exchanged the truth of God for a lie and began to worship the creature rather than the creator. And so um, every hurt uh, that we have experienced, uh, either what we've been sinned against or what we are actively participating in sin, can all be traced back to a lie um, that gets us to distrust who God is and what he has said. And so one of the questions, one of the main questions that we ask a lot uh, in the class uh, is, what is it about God that I don't trust? So if, if the lie is I'm going to actively, and let me put it this way too, um, unbelief isn't passive. We never believe unbelief is passive. Unbelief is active belief in something or someone that is not God, yeah. uh, other than God. So one of the things that helps identify some some of the lies that we believe is going, okay, if it's fill in the blank, what is, what is my thing? One of the first questions we ask is, um, if this fill in the blank weren't in my life, I would be able to live fully alive. I'd be able to, I would feel like I would be able to live the way God designed me to live. And that, uh, like what you said a, a second ago, um, that could be filled in with so many, everything from good things like food or money or success or relationships to things that are really toxic, um, like addiction and, and those sorts of things. So, but whatever it is, some people feel trapped in it uh, and go, I, if this could be taken out. And so what we say is, okay, well, look at those things, that one thing, and realize that there's something embedded in there that is a lie that you are actively believing. And the reality is nobody believes they're believing a lie. Like nobody thinks that. Everyone thinks that what they're believing is 100% true. Yeah. So one of the things that was for me personally, and, and, this, and hear this as not, um, you know, 18-year-old Blake who may or may not have known Christ or trusted in Christ or believed the gospel. Uh, this was like 27-year-old Blake who had... Uh, uh, a master's from Southern Seminary uh, who could quote you the Greek and the Hebrew and uh, had been a pastor for almost 10 years. And I had gotten to this place where I was believing some lies about who God was that was coming out in fear. And the fear for me, one of them was tragedy. I was just constantly afraid of tragedy uh, going on in my life. So I would focus my day and my weeks and my decisions around trying to keep tragedy from striking. And part of that is just my story. I have some very tragic moments that happened uh, in my childhood. Uh, but then other parts of it were, um, were me trying to manipulate God. So I didn't really love God. I was afraid of God messing with my, my little world. And so I would obey, but the obey, obedience came out of fear. And uh, and when I'm, when I'm saying fear, I don't mean the Proverbs 1, uh, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge type fear. I'm talking about, I'm afraid you are going to come hurt me yeah. um, because I messed up. Kind of that mythological, kind of mythological gods. Yeah. Uh -huh. if, you, if you ask something, but don't ask it just the right way. They're just ready to thump you. Right. You well, and, and the way I've described it is uh, ex exactly, it's, uh, I, I told people, I feel like, I felt like God was a mean, angry football coach that only cared about winning. So he only cared about me as much as he cared about himself and it affected his plan. And the moment that I stepped out of bounds or the moment I messed up, he's just going to squash me like a bug. Yeah. And so I really wanted to fly under his radar and uh, and the and the reality is, 
fear, like that kind of fear, will only motivate your obedience for so long. So um, when, uh, if, you, if you translate that into lust, if you translate that into pride, or if you translate that into anxiety, whatever it is for, was for me at that moment, I would only, it would only take me so far before I would crash. And when I started realizing that, that one, um, there's some things that are in me that are unhealthy, uh, that was the first step, which is which was admitting that I needed help. Yeah. But the second step was so identifying what lies I was actively believing. And so uh, as a pastor, it was a little hard for me to admit some things to myself that I believed about God. Uh, because I'm like, I can't do this because I'm like, no better than this. I know this yeah. isn't true, but this is what I'm actively believing. And so I remember one day getting on the couch and uh, and before I even knew how to ask the question, what is it about God that I don't trust, that came out of this moment where I said, all right, I'm going to take um, the passage in Hebrews where it says to approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing you'll find grace to help in time of need. I'm going to take that as a personal challenge. And so I sat down and I started writing those things. I started writing, I think I believe God's sovereign, but I don't think he's good. I think he um, he cares about me as much as it just relates to his plan. And I got to the end of it, and I had this mythological God. Uh, it, and really, uh, I learned in, in college, um, the definition of magic is the ability to manipulate power for either your your good or someone else's harm. Uh, and that's how I was treating God, was as magic. I yeah. want to manipulate you so that you don't mess with me, harm me, um, I, it had nothing to do with relationship, had nothing to do with love. It had everything to do with stay away from me because I don't trust you. And I'm never going to follow a God I don't trust. And so I got to the end of that list, and uh, it was like the Holy Spirit um, was looking at that list with me and goes, no wonder you hate that God. It, it, he doesn't exist. I hate that God. And uh, and so, uh, and so and like I started laughing on the couch because um, – because I was like, that, that's right. But at the same time, I had identified some things that I was yeah. afraid to. And I had never admitted anything to the Lord that he didn't already know about me. So that's when, the, you know, the years in church and scripture reading and seminary came really, was really helpful, um, was that I knew better. I just didn't believe it. So on the other side of the page, I started writing some things that... Um, that were true about God, that that talked to those fears and said, okay, well, what is it about God you're not trusting in this area? Uh, and why is it specifically this area that you don't trust him in? And, and at the end of the day, I got to the end and said, um, I believe if I would have written this story, I would have done a better job than you. So, uh, which is the definition of exchanging the truth of God for a lie and worshiping the creature rather than the creator and saying, I would have been, I'm a better God than you are. It was yeah. what I was saying. And when I, when I said it and admitted it, I was like, oh my goodness, Blake, that is dark. That is super dark. And I say, I mean, and, and, and this is like Blake having to put together small group material for our church. You know, I'm not, I'm not in left field over here, uh, you know, trying to find myself. I am actively in the life of a church and I'm going, you should know better than this, but this is still there. Do you think that made it a lot harder for you? Oh, yeah, it for yeah. sure made it harder for me. But it, it, and even take, take the, uh, the pastoring side out of it, I was almost afraid to admit it from like a salvation standpoint of yeah. going, oh man, is God going to like 
smoke me right here on this couch because I am saying some things. But God wasn't up there like, you know, wringing his hands, getting his feelings hurt because of something that he already knew was in my heart. Um, So, yeah. I I wanted to ask you this real quick because I can't, when I, when you heard you originally say, what is it about God I don't trust? I immediately, maybe not immediately, but almost didn't like the question because how it made me feel like, Hmm. like, and it, it, not that it's not a it's a great question, but yeah. it's it's a question that puts it back on me. It's like, wait a minute, but I've got these things figured out about God, and but it really it just goes back to trust. And you talked about going all the way back to the beginning. Is I'll even encounter people that will say, "Well, if I was God, I just wouldn't have put a tree, mm-hmm. <laughs> a tree of knowledge, in the middle of the garden yeah. where they could have ate from in the first place. Why, why was it even there?" But that's almost the, the right at the beginning. You're going, I don't trust. God's plan or what he had in place that he would even, I'm already second guessing what he's doing. Right. But yeah. I, I just, I just see a lot of people and I'm, I'm kind of curious how people get started in down this journey of, I, I just think if you ask a lot of people, do you trust God? Their first initial response is yes, yes. sure I do. Yeah. But taking that next step going, but I really don't. And there's areas I don't. Right. So it's a big humbling experience that somebody has to let go of that. Oh, I, they can take this journey, right? A hundred percent. And I think we we were. Fr- I was afraid to that to to do that because uh, the question was, do I trust God for my salvation? And I did. I did trust Christ for my salvation. Um, but what's interesting is uh, when Jesus says the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come to bring abundant life. I realize in those moments. Like the enemy cannot destroy my eternal destiny. The enemy cannot destroy Christ's finished work on the cross. Uh, but he can 100% paralyze me uh, right where I'm at. He can use fear and lies, the same thing he's been using from the beginning. Uh, Jesus even says when he speaks lies, he speaks his native language. He's, it's, he's the father of lies. Um, and it's his one arsenal that he's got, one weapon in his arsenal. And when that happens, I realize, no, 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 this is, this is a trust issue. Like this is, this does come back to the fact that he can't, like the enemy cannot destroy who I am in Christ, my identity, but he can cripple me in this life from moving forward. And I think that was one of the biggest, not, I shouldn't say one of the, the biggest obstacle in people's journey towards freedom is believing that freedom is possible. Uh, and so they, they would think um, every time um, that we, we say this freedom word, uh, in their mind, they think that's possible for everyone but me. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is every one of us think that. Like that's not unique to you. We all feel that. And, uh, but God would be a pretty horrible God if he said that we could do something that we weren't able to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he's not telling me right now, Blake, go do a double backflip. I can't do a double backflip. And he's not going to punish me for that, uh, because he's a good father. So if he says who the sun sets free is free indeed, I've come to bring you life and bring life abundantly. I've created these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Uh, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So if my life is not full of joy, even in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of pain, uh, if my life is not full of power, love, and self-control, but weakness and failure um, and in shrinking back, then I am not living the way God designed me to live. And I think people um, just don't believe, they, they, they would say, but you don't know how deep it's gone in my life. You don't know how 
dark this sin is or this hurt is in my life, freedom really isn't possible. But it is possible, and at the same time, freedom can be hindered. And I think that's kind of what you were saying a second ago with the trust question kind of kind of sticks at us for a second. Um, but in Ephesians 4, what Paul says is he says that um, that God has given the apostles and teachers and shepherds uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And that word equip is a, in the Greek, is it's kind of this picture of, it's a medical word, like a resetting of a bone. And he goes, he goes back through all the, the ways that we do that, the process. Um, and at the very end, he says, uh, so with every joint, so God's put the body of Christ together, uh, that we're to grow ourselves up in love with every joint with which it is equipped. He says, when each part is working properly, builds itself up so that it grows the body of Christ in love. So what he's saying is, you can be an arm in the body of Christ. You can be attached to the body of Christ and yet your arm can be broken and out of joint. And if it's broken and out of joint, you will not work properly. And so freedom, the ability to live the way God designed, not knowing what an arm's supposed to do, but my arm's ability to do what it was designed to do can be hindered. And I think the two things that hinder us the most, um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I uh, uh, share that the best, I believe. Uh, he talks about in Hebrews 11, all these incredible people of faith. And then he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is sort before us, looking to Jesus. So he says, there's there is weight in our life. So there's the weight of life. Um, when I was 10 years old, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, a very a very rare disease where tumors grew in my sinus cavities. They were benign, but uh, they were akin to cancer. So I was on low-dose chemotherapy um, for the, from the time I was probably 12 to 15. Um, was underwent um, a lot of major surgeries to where I still don't, I still can't feel parts of my cheeks um, because of the nerve damage. I was in the oncology clinic at Arkansas Children's Hospital every single week, um, getting blood drawn and waiting. Or with kids who were fighting terminal cancers. And that was a weight that I picked up over time. There's just some things that you pick up about the goodness of God. Um, why wouldn't God heal me? Why wouldn't God heal all these kids? It kind of goes back to the, why would God put a tree in the garden? If I was God, I would have written the story a lot better. I don't trust you. Um, and But there was weight. There was just some weight in life that I was carrying around that I didn't cause. So, but, so there's the weight and the sin that clings so closely. So, okay, but nobody forced me to look at porn. Nobody made me stay angry and bitter at people who had hurt me in my past. Nobody was teaching me how to be prideful. Like, I learned how to screw my own life up perfectly on my own. Yeah. Like, that was, that was... I think we can all... Right, I think yeah. We can all assess like, we are sure. perfectly capable of doing yeah. all of those stupid things on our own. And both of those work hand in hand to hinder our ability to live the way God designed us to live. And so freedom is possible, but freedom can also, your ability to live that way can be hindered by those two things. And so what my passion is, is helping people in the church identify what those things are. And then, and and those constantly crop up in our life. Like that's not just like a one and done type thing. That's a thing that we're constantly, freedom is that ongoing process that we're doing. Um, but how to do that in a way that's going to last for the rest of their life. Yeah. 
And when you when you said that, it reminded me I was at a uh, a retreat a couple of weeks ago, and we started talking about just things in our past, and and a lot of those weights. Mm-hmm. It would be a very similar um, similar kind of thing, like things that have happened to us that. Um, you know, it could be big things or it could be little things that impacted us. And it's crazy how, like, once I started kind of thinking through some of those and really going back, I mean, there was things that I hadn't thought of in mm. years. And I'm like, that's why I kind of have this, you know, issue with, um, and one of, like, for me, one of those areas that I don't, I kind of don't trust God and, and, and I have a, I have a hard time kind of believing um, is the way I see myself versus the way he sees me for sure. And, and how, you know, I'm, it's like, I, I can never be good enough. Well, of course I can never be good enough, but I still try, mm-hmm. you know, those, those kind of things. And, uh, and so, yeah, we, if we don't trust, um, if we're not trusting what he says about us or we're just not trusting his character, then yeah, I mean that can that can lead into all kinds of of, of huge things, uh, and I I want to ask about and this might I don't think it's backpedaling too much, but what you said there about kind of how you viewed God as the mean football coach, right? God, um, man, I think that's I think that's epidemic. Yeah, for sure. Um, why do we do that? <laughs> Like, why do we, why do we see, um, and, and I know for some, for, for many people, our vision of God can be greatly affected by our, our earthly father, Sure, you know, yep. uh, that we kind of shove characteristics of our earthly father off onto God. The, the problem with that is, is that like my earthly father is, is like a ridiculously good example. Mm. Um, and, but I kind of. Like my view, sometimes I think of God is much lower in some ways mm. than my view of my earthly father, you know, in the way that, cause, cause I'm, I fall into that whole, I've got to please him or he's going to thump him, thump me on me. Like mm. he's waiting on me to jack it up. Right. You know, and then he's going to come by and just whack me. Um, sure. And there, and obviously there's the other ditch of like, you know, let's sin so grace may abound. Yeah. But I don't, I don't yeah. think many of us are falling into that ditch. I think yeah. we're falling into the other one. I think we do by our actions. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe, but not by, but why do you, I mean, why do we, why is that the God that we view? Because that's, that is so not who he is. Right. But yet that's, kind of, I mean, I think that's. I don't believe, think everybody believes it, but I, I think that's a really prevalent thing amongst, you know, church. Yeah, I think, and I think there's a, there's a, a lot of answers to a lot of um, streams that go into that one river um, of why we end up getting to that place where we're believing these things about God. I think one is there's a very real war going on for for our soul um, that. If the enemy is the father of lies, then I think um, the enemy capitalizes on vulnerable moments in our life to seed those lies into uh, our thinking and whispers and all of those different things. Um, but the other, other side of it, too, is I mean, Ephesians 2 says we're by nature children of wrath. So we have this kind of propensity from from childhood, from right off the gate to want to put ourselves in the place of God. And uh, I can't remember exactly, I, I don't want to misquote him, but um, 
Tim Keller, uh, we read a quote uh, at church this Sunday by him that basically said uh, to the extent of, if God is just uh, an idealized version of yourself, Mm -hmm. then who is it that you're really worshiping? Uh, It's not the God of the Bible. And I think part of the problem is uh, we don't approach the God of the Bible of going, who is this God that I can actually know? And so we just import all of our frustrations and, and anger and fears onto him and see all of that through his eyes, which is a ideal, in some ways, an idealized version of ourself. We're, right. God is just a little bit better and a little bit stronger and a little bit smarter than I am mm-hmm. uh, and not this omniscient, omnipotent. And the, the other side of it too, though, that I always go back to is, is the person of Jesus and that it all goes back to Jesus, and I can't wrap my head around the infiniteness of God, that He's always been, that He has the power to create in and of Himself, that He can know all things and be all-powerful and all these things, and yet we're somehow also created in His image. Uh, So there's things about us that we are stamped uh, with the image of God. And then I look at Jesus, and Jesus saying, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father also. And there's this kind of wave of peace because there's something about Jesus that I say I do understand. And I, and I can hear both this um, extremely compassionate, loving, gracious God and this very powerful, uh, justice-loving, um, angry God at the same time, and both of those not being pitted against one another in the person mm-hmm. of Jesus. Uh, and so even regardless of how I got there, my question is always, um, what is like, who is Christ, and how is Christ showing me who God is, and and what is true about who God is? Um, so one one of the things I think we do wrongly too many times in the church, and and I say we, myself is I'm the prime suspect of this, is we try to jump too far in someone's freedom journey. Um, with when I say journey, I, I need to back up and tell you what I mean by that. Um, in Ephesians 4, Paul gives a very clear um, journey. He says that we're to, um, to not be uh, deceived in deceitful schemes, that we're to grow up into every way into the head and the Christ into full maturity. He says we're to take off the old man to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and to put on the new man. And, um, and, and that's the journey. That's the journey that uh, this workbook and this class take you through. But um, I, I've told people it, it's a lot like this. So when I was 16, I grew up in DeWitt, Arkansas. Uh, DeWitt. DeWitt. And you had to have gone there to for something. It's not something you drive through. It's a about 3,000-person farm town. My dad was a farmer until I was in high school. And I loved to hunt because that was the only thing you could do in DeWitt. And so, uh, but I always use my granddad's shotguns. And so my dad one day for Christmas or one Christmas got me a brand new 12 gauge Benelli, like mossy oak. It was sick. I still have it. So I got my shotgun and I went with my stepdad and my best friend a few weeks later to go duck hunt on the Arkansas river. And the river had gone down and there was this point I, I'm, I was also, we call them donut Blake. So about, you know, <laughs> 20 years ago, 
<laughs> I was a lot heftier than I am right now. So I was allergic to push-ups and exercise and all those things. So I didn't like to do any of those. So we went down the river. It was about a 20-minute boat ride. It was freezing cold outside. And I had these really nice neoprene waders and this really great, uh, expensive Columbia jacket. So I was warm. And we walked for a while, for probably 30, 45 minutes, um, through the woods. And we get to this clearing. And on the other side of the clearing is where we were going to hunt. But the problem was in between us and the wood in the other side of the woods was this big boggy muddy uh, bottom that the that had just gone down from the river and we didn't know how long the river had been down and how dry that mud was so the best thing to do would have been to walk all the way around the tree line to get to the other side but that was like a quarter of a mile or a hundred yards straight across and so donut blake said i'm gonna walk straight across <laughs> and my stepdad and my best friend at the time they were like, Blake, it's a bad idea. And I was like, whatever, you don't know anything. I'm 16. And so I start walking <laughs> and and I get probably 10 or 15 feet in and I realize I'm sinking and I think I'm sinking each step, but really I've just been sinking for 10 feet uh, as I'm going. And I realize this is a really bad idea and I need to go back, but I'm already up to my hips in river mud. And so I look back at my buddy and he, I hand him my gun and the only way for me to get out was to take off my, my jacket and my waders and literally, and I was by that point when I did that and crawled out, I was, um, up to my neck in mud. So I was completely covered in wet mud. My jacket was completely destroyed. My neoprene waders were filled with wet 20 degree mud. Um, and I thought we were going to go back to the duck camp because I'd made a stupid decision. And my stepdad was like, we've been out here for like an hour and a half. We're going to go hunt. Like you're going to freeze. So I did, I put on, put back on this wet, muddy, freezing cold, uh, stuff. And we hunted for probably 25 hours is what it felt like. <laughs> uh, and it was the coldest I've ever been in my entire life. And we get back on the boat in the 20 minute boat ride back to camp. And mm, I'm just, Oh, cold. it's yeah. And, and yeah. it is January. It is 20 it is so cold. Uh, I can't feel anything. I'm totally numb. And I get back to the camp and I'm covered from my neck down in wet or hardening river mud. And I could have done one of two things. I could have had somebody come outside and bring me a brand new $1,000, really, really nice Columbia jacket and put it over me and say, this is what keeps you warm here. Be warm. Now you're good. But we all know that's stupid because it might have kept me sort of warm, but it wouldn't work because uh, I needed to go inside and take off that old stuff and get in the shower and wash it all off of me and then come back outside and put on new clothes. And that's what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying there is a there is a process, and the process is you have to take off this old stuff that you're carrying around, these lies that you're believing, these things that you're doing. You have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you have to put on the new self. But what I think we do too often in the church is we hear someone who's struggling with fear, and we say someone says, "I'm really anxious about fill in the blank." And what we do 
is we say, well, Philippians 4 says, be anxious about nothing, but in all things with prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And the peace of God will transcend understanding and guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And what we're doing uh, is we're trying to put a $1,000 Columbia jacket that is designed to keep you warm over someone who hasn't gone through the process of taking the old stuff off yet. Mm -hmm. And so it gets really frustrating, even to the point where I remember telling one of my friends, if you quote Philippians 4 to me again, I will karate chop you in the throat. I know <laughs> what Philippians 4 says. Yeah. The problem was it wasn't working. Yeah. It wasn't. I know I, what to do. I, I just don't know how. I to know do. how to live. I know what it looks like for me to. I know how God designed me to live. Mm -hmm. I'm unable to live the way God designed me. Yeah. And so, and the problem is not with the scriptures. The problem is how we apply the scriptures to our life. And. Paul says, what you have to do first, you have to take off that old stuff. And we're not going to take off things that we're in denial that we actually believe. Yeah. And so the way that we describe those, that four, those, there's four steps is admitting my need, identifying the lies I believe, repenting when that's necessary. Sometimes there's, there's just, um, sometimes it's not necessary because you didn't cause this pain in your life. You know, you were hurt by someone else and then receive the truths of God's word. Mm -hmm. So there's four steps, uh, and I think what we try to do is we try to get somebody to receive the truths of God's word before we've ever walked them through the process of them realizing, I am actively believing something that's not God's word. And when you're repenting, and I think we hear the word repent, we're like, repent! Like, that's not what I'm, that's not how the scripture says it. The scripture, uh, Especially it's... Especially not in the southern... Repent! R-E-P-A-I-N-T. <laughs> yeah. Repent. Repent. Uh, is is a turning it's a military word that means to to do an about face but you're so, so you're turning from something to something and it's not just a, a feeling of guilt or remorse about my sin it's actually saying i'm actively turning my belief towards something else and um and so repentance is a freedom word for us it's a it's a good word mm -hmm. um and it's a word we don't use enough but you you have to identify that lie that you're believing before you turn from it so i think the process uh, that's the thing that lasts the rest of our life. So um, my wife and I, uh, we uh, are in like year five of a journey of infertility. We have two kids, healthy, awesome kids, um, and then wanted another child and have not been able to get pregnant for five years. Well, there's some things that happen to us um, in our belief in God and praying for a child, wondering what's going on, fears, all these things that come up that we weren't you know, we didn't expect to have to deal with. Well, when when unhealth crops up, either in our marriage or in our personal, just our walk with Christ, if I'm just having some, if I'm just having a day where I'm like, man, I'm just, I am tired of this. One of the things I do is go back and go, okay, Blake, is there anything here about God that you don't trust? Are you, what is it fresh today that you need to trust God in? What is a what is a lie maybe that you're believing that you need to release to God today and turn? And believe. And, and, and the thing is, when I do that, I'm then able to receive the joy of Christ. I'm able to receive the peace of Christ. And I'm able to live the way God designed me to live. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's not just this one time I never deal with anxiety again, one time I never deal with lust again. But it's this ongoing process that Paul gives us to walk in freedom. Well, and the cool thing about that is that it's, you know, a lot of times if you go to a conference or whatever, go through a study, it's... It's very much, you know, it's kind of, here's how you can do this for this particular area of your life. Right. And then, you know, you might be reapplying that, but that, but to that particular area of life. In this, it sounds like, 
it's every area of life. Right. It's every, you know, new, and it's just continual. It's once you learn, um, kind of these steps to go through, like you were saying, then it can apply to everything. Right. I mean, it's the, it's the process of sanctification, which Kyle Kyle says is your identity in Christ becoming your reality in your life. Like it's being able to walk the way Christ says who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it is, it's, it's, um, we, and I, and I believe that those happen in moments, like they can happen in moments where you have some clarity, me sitting on the couch, realizing, oh my goodness, I believe some things about God that are just not true. And then I think that happens in seasons of discipleship too, of where yep. you have other men or other women um, speaking into your life, asking you questions, and you're kind of pulling these things out and, and showing you where you, your mind needs to be renewed. Mm-hmm. So how do you, um, may not be a fair question, but how do you not tire of this journey? Because, okay, life is, can be long. Life can be difficult, very difficult. And so I take this journey. We, we, we agreed there that it was a repetitive journey, that you might you might do this for something in your life. It may apply to several different areas of your life that you gotta, you're got you working out. But there's going to be times where you start over, mm. either with that same sin or that same issue. You might backslide, fall back, or or you got to start it with something else. How do you not – I mean – I've always been donut dusting <laughs> and I'll go lose weight and then I'll get it back and mm. then I'll lose weight and I'll get it back. And it's like, sooner or later, it's like, why am I trying to lose weight? I'm just going to get it back, you know, because how do you take that next step? And once you've gone through this process, I, I can't imagine it's just like a magic, use the word magical word. It's not like all of a sudden you're just fixed. You're right. never going to worry about yeah. this again. So how do you not? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things that, um, that this does is, um, and, and again, Ephesians four is really the 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 foundation of it, and it's it's been really helpful of going. This is what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul said to is the is the growing in the Christian life, how how we grow into maturity. So I do think that there is a there's a time of maturation that happens that's just gonna be cyclical in some ways. But one of the things I've heard people um, has described this as: uh, imagine you're going towards a cliff but everything is foggy and you find yourself falling off that cliff a lot and then you come back and you're on top of the, you're on top of this plateau and you're just walking around walking around but you fall off the cliff again and you're like why do i keep falling off this cliff and for me uh the way that that looked like in ministry specifically was i was always afraid of what people thought of me. Not that I can not and when I say that I still care about what people think of me now, but I'm not afraid of it. So, um, for me, it was I was afraid of failing and being rejected and so I was afraid of what you what I thought even you were thinking of me. So, um, rewind the clock 5 or 6 years ago if I'm sitting here with you guys uh, and, and anybody listening to this, the number one thought that I would have is what are they going to think of me after this podcast? Um, now, but instead, uh, what I realized is it's way more important about what God thinks of me. But I don't really care what God thinks of me if I don't trust God. So what that would what would happen was in that in that season, I would adrenalize my way through a season. Uh, yeah, I would say yes to too many things. I would um, a critical conversation would hang on me more, and there was always this one triggering moment. Uh, and usually it was very small. I remember one time we were evaluating a Sunday morning uh, and we talked about the parking lot and like how we needed, we needed more help in the parking lot. And I had this thought of, if I can't get cars to park in the right way, 
there's no way I'm going to be able to pastor a church. And it just spiraled me. So I fell off that cliff and I started thinking all these things like, um, God hasn't called me to this. I'm not equipped to do this. I have a, I have a leadership ceiling and I hit it. Um, I need to get, I need to get out. I need to just leave. I need to get my kids and my wife and we just need to move away. That was like, literally all those thoughts happened to me as I was falling off the cliff. Everyone knows you're only as loved as your last success, Blake. Um, all of these different things that I was believing. Well, then I'd hit the bottom and I'd be like, okay, I, I'm getting weird. I need to come like, (laughs) I need to like climb back up and like, you know, gut through this. And I come back, but I would, I would never come back full energy. I would never come back full Blake. Mm-hmm. And I was still walking around the top of that cliff in the fog. And then I would be more surprised every time that I would fall off again. And I'd be surprised at what it was. What was the step I took that ended up making me fall off the cliff? And what the journey in Ephesians 4 does is it allows all of the clouds to lift off the cliff. And it allows you to see what is the edge of this cliff and why am I moving towards it? Because it's not going to say that you're never going to move towards it again. It's saying that when I get to the close to the edge, I know I'm getting close to the edge. I need to stop and go, I know what's on the other side of that and I need to back up. Um, But the problem is a lot of people don't have the tools uh, to do that. And, or they, we, and that's the reality is we've always had it. We just didn't realize it was right there in Ephesians four or throughout the Bible. It's just the, this is the process of sanctification. So it's almost like we think, um, well, that, to, to be free means I'm never going to be tempted to go back. But there's a difference between being tempted in an area of your life and feeling like that area has power over your life. And being free from sin means I'm free from the power of sin, even though I might be tempted to sin in the future. And even if I'm, that I might sin. And you might sin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. have that power over you. Um, so, and especially I think in, in your role as, as, you know, a, a pastor of a church, that kind of thing. Um, I think this was especially true for you, but I think for anybody and everybody, you mentioned that you were, that there's this fear in a, in approaching kind of the church, with all of this, with this fear, with these anxieties, with um, just the, uh, I think everybody out there can can relate to that feeling like you're just carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. You're not sure you can go much further, but you you feel like you ought to be able to gut it out because I'm a man, right? You know that. Kind I know. Of I know better. Yeah, you know, that was that was one of mine. I know better. Yeah, than this. I know better than to, than to be into this or or feel this way, feel these anxieties. I'm not supposed to be anxious. I'm supposed, you know. Um, do you think? Well, I just know it's true that people are still afraid to approach the church, even if they're just like a member of a church, mm. those kind of things. Um, but how can we maybe as the church, as people, how can we encourage people to say, hey, you know what? I need help. Mm. Like I need help. Yeah, I think uh, for our church specifically, uh, one of the, the most important parts uh, in this is just vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Is And that can only be modeled, uh, I think, by your leaders. So if you're a leader in the church, uh, and you want everyone to think you're perfect. And I know you don't. Nobody wants that pressure. Nobody wants that pedestal. But I do think there is this um, 
this underlying root of I have to have it together mm-hmm. uh, in front of in front of my church, uh, otherwise they won't listen to me or I won't have credibility. Uh, and what's interesting is the more I help walk people through this, um, and, and the more I'm preaching and, and teaching, and the more I'm, I share my own struggle with the text or how to apply this to my life, uh, and not in a way that exalts brokenness, because uh, I think there's a ditch there that you can just exalt your own brokenness, and that's that's just as bad. Um, but in the sense that people can relate to what it is that you're actually saying. Mm-hmm. So if you, um, you say, well, just don't be anxious about anything. Um, cause that's what the Bible says. Then we're all nodding along in the chairs, but inside going, well, I sure wish I knew where that switch was that you found in your heart to flip, yeah. uh, to make me stop doing that. Cause obviously you get, you, you don't, you're not anxious about anything, I'm assuming. Uh, so I really wish you would tell me where that switch is. And what I think we as leaders are um, obligated and, and responsible to do is going, that switch doesn't exist. And we wrestle with the same things that you do. And what we want you to do is is to to let the Word of God do to you what we're letting it do to us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had a, I had a leader who's actually going to do the freedom study in, a, in a, another church in town, asked me that question of how do you, how do you reproduce that vulnerability for people? And I think it's just, you have to be authentic. Uh, and, and that word gets used a lot. Uh, just, just tell, just be you. If you're just yep. you, um, then people are going to be able to, They'll be able to sniff out when you're being fake or whenever you're just saying things because they sound good or like what a preacher would say. Like they're going to sniff that out. And mm-hmm. so just be you. Yeah. I think one of the, because I've gone through this study with you um, a couple of years ago, and I think one of the most impactful things that you said, I think it was week one, was when you were you were kind of talking through your your walk through this, and you said something about... Um, along the lines of what are they going to think? What are they going to think of me when they, when they, when they know I'm faking it, mm. you know? And I was just like, Whoa, I, I'm the only one that's ever thought that. Right. right. You know? <laughs> and now I got this guy up here saying kind of the exact same thing that I've been feeling, you know? And, and that we, we mentioned so many times on this show, uh, you're not alone. Right. Like you're not the only one that's that feels this weight, feels these burdens, um, has these struggles that you don't trust God. You don't, you know, all of these things. Um, but I think the biggest thing we've got to know from you know just for everybody is that you're not alone. No right. matter how bad you think you are, no matter how bad you've struggled, no matter what the struggle is, you no matter you know you you think well nobody has either struggled this badly or even the flip side of that is um, nobody would struggle this badly with something so little, Mm. you know, like my, my grandmother, she used to say um, that you could put her in a room full of every kind of alcohol on planet earth. And, and that would not be any kind of temptation for, but you could put her in the same room and give her one little thing to worry about. And she wouldn't sleep all night. You know, Mm -hmm. she just, she was a worrier. And so that's, but when you come and it's like, well, I mean, I just worry. Right. That's all, that's all it is. You know, everybody worries. Well, but no, that's, Mm -hmm. that's something that, that you're struggling with and you need to bring other people into that conversation 
with you. Yeah, and I think um, too many times we are okay with admitting we need help and identifying the lie and stopping there. And that's mm-hmm. not the end of it. That's not what Paul says to do. And so we say those things. We go, well, since I know the monster, I named the monster, but I can't do anything about the monster. It's just that's what it is. Yeah. You know, that's just it, who I am. Yeah, it's who I am. I've yep. always dealt with worry. I'm always, I'm 75 years old. I'm, I've dealt with this my whole life. It's just going to be something that uh, I heard somebody one time say, it's just, I'm going to limp into the grave with this. And I go, what gospel are you reading? Because yeah. uh, that's not abundant life. That's not freedom from sin. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think it's the second two parts of the repenting and receiving that we really need to call people to at that point. Uh, but I think that the, the hard work of it is identifying, okay, well, what is it that I'm really worried about? Like, mm-hmm. what what is it about God that I'm not trusting in this specific area? And those are things that you do mature in for the rest of your life. Um, right now I'm reading a book about the hope of the resurrection because I'm just dealing with, um, you know, wrestling with trusting God with my own death and the deaths of those around me. Uh, and so that's, that's building my faith and my trust in who God is. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it, because this is even something that, that I thought of the other day, walking through some decisions, and it was like God kind of told me, can I not treat you well? Like, do you not believe that I can do something good for you? And I was, <laughs> was kind of taken aback by it. Um, but it, it's it's almost like we don't feel like I guess maybe because we don't feel like we deserve, and I'm I'm holding quote fingers up there like everybody can see me, um, like we deserve the goodness of God, like that's for somebody else, right? You know, that's for somebody that doesn't struggle. That's for somebody. Well, if the goodness of God is for somebody that doesn't struggle, then then the goodness of God is for nobody, right? You know, um, and, and but again, that goes back to one of those lies of man, how good can God really be? You know, um, so for that, for me, that's, I think that's one of those, one of those lies. Dustin, it looked like you had, you had, you got some stuff that you been maybe writing down or. Well, no, I've taken a lot of notes <laughs> because <laughs> I, I mean, to me, I just think about life application of this and, and I know, um, you know, almost in my head, I'm sitting over here thinking about people that need to hear this. Mm-hmm. Which is not the right attitude to have, you know. But I'm thinking about because, and the reason I say that is because, uh, first of all, I need it because I mean I went through a recent health issue, and there's a lot of times I was like, "Why me? You know, what what's the deal with this? Why do I gotta go through this? God, you why are you mad at me about something? You know, and and that trust that's why that trust thing kind of resonated. But I'm I say I'm thinking about people that need to hear this because I care about them and I know that they're struggling and they're lost and they need that freedom. They don't even know how to experience it. They don't even know what it looks like, but it's out there in in, in this journey to go on. I always, you know, I'm going to go back to that diet thing. Day one of that diet, I'm like, I don't want to do this, you know, (laughs) but you get through there and you start making some progress and you feel that progress and you feel that journey then you start to feel the differences. You start to experience that mm. difference. But, but, but letting go of those lies, man. This our enemy. First of all, we don't talk enough about that mm. as a church, as a society. That we have an enemy out there that uh, encourages these lies. We hear those and we just believe them, and we just think there's nothing that we can do. We there is no reason to have hope. There is no reason to think that we could be free. In fact, I don't even know if I like that God. 
because mm. so many people have told lies about him and and gave this false uh, impression of who he is. Even good-willed people. You're talking about earlier, all these paths that go down to why do we hear these lies? Well, because people use it as a scare tactic. Well, well, I'm going to go do that. Oh, don't do that. God will get mad at you. Or yeah. God will God will hate you for that. Well, what? You know, it's like so like my works and my my attitudes. I thought it was by grace, and then we just suck the grace right out of it, and then we forget that, and, and we believe that that lie that it can't be about grace, and that we can't have freedom. These chains that we're locked down, and so many people need to hear and understand that message, and that's what my brain is over here just running with. Hmm. I remember um, about ten years ago, um, I was in the ER with heart palpitations and my uh, arms were numb and I was dizzy. Um, and uh, we come to find out it was because of anxiety. It was stress in my life. Um, but I remember laying on the bed at the hospital and I was a student pastor at the time and my wife was there and it was real late and early hours of the morning and I remember thinking, hey, Blake, like the heart is kind of a big deal. And if it's something's broke with it, if yours, and you are having, you have one of those re- really rare deficient heart things where, you know, your heart just stops um, and you died, I started thinking about if it's just you and the Lord and there's no other voices and there's no other opinions and there's no other striving and it's just you and the Lord. The question to me was not, would you go to heaven? The question was, would it be awkward? And, mm-hmm. uh, and what, what the, it, it kind of surprised me when I thought that because I'd never, and it was it very well, maybe it's been the Holy Spirit kind of guiding my thinking there because it would have been like knowing a whole lot about somebody and talking a whole lot about somebody and the difference between that and sitting to coffee with that person face to face and actually having a conversation. And I realized I sure know a whole lot about the Lord, but how well do I really know the Lord? Because my, my obedience was very much a, how long can I keep this up? How long can I stay away from this? How long can I do this, 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 and this kind of almost out of a, a fear rather than love for a relationship. So now I can look at, pornography i can look at actually look at pornography i look at the subject of pornography the temptation of pornography or or anxiety or or these different things and i say those things will not bring me life like christ does and i knew that in my head before because that's good preacher talk and everyone's supposed to be able to say you know you're supposed to desire god more than sin but i didn't and that was the problem but what i'm realizing is more and more now as I desire Christ more, my questions are not, what do I not need to do so that he doesn't get mad at me? But is, as I'm pursuing Christ, these other things just look a lot less in- inviting and intriguing. And I don't want to go walk towards the end of that cliff because I know that the other end of it's death. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that about, when you said that about, I know a lot about God, but maybe I don't know really God. Um if we think about where all we find out about God, it's not only obviously in the Bible, but it's just from other people Mm. and from um, looking around and seeing how things are in the world and and all those kind of things. And then we start making up things about God. 
and if we just really knew who God was, then it would it would kind of kind of automatically get rid of most of those lies, right. you know, if we really knew it. Um, so we're going to have to land the plane here, and I'm going to do a, like a a pre landing little deal. Um, so one of the things you said that w- is that unbelief isn't passive. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times we feel that it is that way, that I'm just not doing anything, so I don't believe. Well, believe is an action. It always is, because it, either you believe it and do something about it, or it's just a good idea. You know, you don't follow through with anything. So unbelief has to be active as well. Um, so you said it's an active belief in a lie. And I can imagine anybody listening to this right now, like you, you got a couple of choices. Either you can go on believing the lies and and not changing anything, and through that you can actively unbelieve, have some unbelief, and just not seek help, not reach out, not do anything, and that's an active unbelief. Or you can take a chance and you can reach out and ask somebody for help. And that's my, like, landing the plane is, hey, invite somebody into this mm-hmm. and, and get the freedom that um, that our really good God wants for you. Um, and now, Blake, I'm going to ask you to land the plane, man. <laughs> land the plane. Land it. Um, listen, I think there's every, everybody listening to this, to this uh, podcast, uh, us in the room, even right now, all of us need freedom in an area of our life, in areas of our life. Um, there's things in our life that are keeping us from living fully alive. Uh, and we can either believe the lie that that will always be true, um, or we can trust the God of Scripture that's given us a tried and true journey to get out of that, to grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And um, and I think that the, what you just said is 100% right, is admitting that there's some things that you need freedom from is the first step. And so I would encourage everyone to take that first step of just of trusting God enough to say, if you said it's true, I'm going to at least give you the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to go on a journey that might last the rest of my life. Awesome. Dustin, you got anything? That was a pretty good landing. Like Bam. I feel like I needed <laughs> we needed to reassess our ability to land this plane. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Blake, man, thank you so much for coming on yeah, and, and sharing yeah, this with us. I know it's close to your heart. And you know, and I always think about people that say, you, you, you can believe what you want, just don't push it on me. Like, like there's something wrong with evangelism. There's not. And just like this story, you may you may sit here and hear this and go, well, who are they to tell me I don't trust or there's something wrong? It's because we care, darn it. <laughs> and it's because we we don't either. <laughs> it's because we're jacked up. Well, I don't know if you heard anything that I've said, but I've never struggled with anything <laughs> ever. Yeah, you know, like once you know something, once you know like how good a – cookies and cream Hershey bar is you got to tell people and it's the same way with this like salvation the reason Man, we, I just think there's so many better examples that I, you can I had Hershey's one, cookies and cream I had one on the way over the it was so good I had one on the way that's over that's the most random thing I've ever it's heard. good though well I've had one but that's not how I would describe freedom in Christ <laughs> I have a unique way of talking to the people they get me <laughs> but you know it's just we, we we share these things because we want you to know Christ because it is such a wonderful thing and we share this thing like what Blake's sharing with y'all 
about freedom because it's a great thing to have, you know, and freedom from those things that just mess you up. That's why we do this, and we just want you to know and share, tell people about this. Yeah, especially if you go through some of this journey, and it's positive for you, share it with others. But so, where can they share it? You can share it all over the place. Now, uh, we want y'all to uh, Blake. If they wanted to reach out to you on like Twitter and stuff, where's a where's a place they can yeah, find you? You can uh, you can reach me at just Blake Hudspeth, um, Twitter. You can. Um, yeah, that's probably the best best place to do it. Uh, we are uh, working right now on um, creating uh, a video version of this uh, journey in this class that goes along with the workbook that uh, we're hoping to make available for free uh, by the end of March. So um, I, if you're interested in walking through that in a little bit more detail and uh, getting some questions asked and, uh, and really digging in with maybe what the Lord has uh, even kind of started stirring in your heart during the last few minutes, uh, we'll, we would love to try to get that into your hands. Yeah. Yep. And we can put that on our show notes. So go to landtheplane.today uh, to find this show and uh, in the show notes there. And you had mentioned that there's a PDF. Yeah, there's a, there's a PDF of the, of the workbook I, that we've got now. Yeah, that's ready to go. Okay. And we'll list your uh, your Twitter account there so they can they can DM you or something on there. Yeah, or y'all can, of course, email at us at landtheplane today at gmail.com and we'll connect you as well so several ways to do that but uh, go give blake a follow on twitter again that was at blake hudspeth b-l-a-k-e-h-u-d-s-p-e-t-h look at that mm. can't teach an old dog new tricks i can spell <laughs> but uh you know of course go out there and follow the podcast anywhere on social media twitter at land the plane 247 over at facebook and instagram at land the plane today and, of course, shoot us an email if you want to talk about just this. Maybe you got a testimony you want to share of a, of a journey you went on. Mm-hmm. Some of the most powerful things you can do is share that testimony because we all talk about we don't know how to share God. Well, share what he's done in your life. And if he's given you freedom, share us with that. And if you give us permission, we might share that on a future show just to encourage others in uh, what they're doing. So I guess that's all for the show. We're not going to keep you too much longer. There's a lot to digest, a lot to work on. So. That's, that's all I got, John. That's all I got. Blake, Somebody you got? start the music. That's you, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's me. <laughs> Hit the Blake, beat. thanks so much for coming. Yes, sir. We hope, you, uh, we hope you enjoyed yourself a little bit. It was great. Thanks. We, uh, we really appreciate it. Hope you it. weren't overwhelmed by the studio here. Yeah. It's a very top. It's a very intimidating place. Yeah. It's very technologically advanced. And that's right. All those good things. Hey, hope you guys have a good day. Bye, y'all.